Hi, this is Rob Warlow from Business Loan Services and welcome to this Business Finance Bulletin Extra, a podcast-only version in addition to our weekly Business Finance Bulletin. So here I am with the fourth in a special series of interviews that I did with Theo Van Dort looking at raising finance and dealing with banks. So in this last episode, we're specifically talking with Theo about what goes into the bank's credit assessment process. In other words, when you pass over your business plan to the bank and after you've had an interview and a chat with them what exactly do they do with all that information what's their thought process well in this interview i might be sharing with teo the key things that bank look for and a mnemonic that the banks use as a checklist get to understand what the banks look for and you're well on the way to getting that elusive yes so let's go to that clip now hope you enjoy it and see you on the other side Hello there and welcome back to this, the final video in this series of four. My name is Theo Van Dort and I'm here with Rob Warlow from Business Loan Services. So Rob, you've shared with us why businesses don't have business plans, the importance of them, Mm -hmm. how to put one together, and then the reasons why bank managers will often say no. Mm. So in this video, I think you're going to give us a bit of an insight into what then goes on after the application has gone in and what goes on inside a bank manager's head. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we've got to the point now where um, you've got your business plan in, you've had the interview with the bank. um, But it's good to know um, whenever you're approaching a bank for finance to know exactly, as you say, what goes on now behind the scenes, what goes on afterwards, because the more information that you have about how the bank manager analyzes your request, then the easiest for you going to be to tailor your business plan to make sure that you get him everything that he needs to know. Mm -hmm. So what I want to share with you um, is a framework that the banks use. Now, this framework um, that I'm going to share with you is developed in the 1970s, and it's still used today. And it's a very great mnemonic or a framework that uh, really encapsulates everything that a bank needs to know. And it's a bit of a tick list, really, right. to make sure the bank covers everything off. Okay. And that, that's the mnemonic. Uh, Campari. Is that your favourite, Timbal? Campari, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's not the drink, unfortunately. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, unless you've got one sneakily put away in there somewhere, no. That's gin. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so, and that's why it's, it's a great model because it's very memorable from a bank's point of view. So each of these letters obviously stand for um, a crucial part of the process that banks would go through. Um, and it's still used today. I know bank manager who will still go through this and add words against each of these letters just to make sure that they have covered everything. So it's a very real framework that banks use. Okay. Mm. All righty. So um, what does it stand for? Okay. Well, the first one then um, stands for character. So character, I mentioned in the last video that um, from the point of view of the bank, they are lending to you as an individual. Mm. Okay. It's you that will make or break this business. And so it's right that the assessment process does start with you. So what we're looking for now is an assessment of the individual behind the business. Okay. So we're coming from the point of view of, do you come across as a person of integrity and honesty? Now, that's kind of hard to actually put down in paper. But again, if you put all of your preparation together, you've got the right track record and you presented yourself well, then you'll come across like that. Uh, because the banks want to support people who will make sure that they deliver on their plans. So integrity and honesty is really vital there. They'll also have a look at your banking history. Mm -hmm. Um, Because at the end of the day, the bank want to make sure you're going to pay the loan back. 
So there's no better way of assessing um, your ability to pay than looking at your bank records. So if you're uh, a person who habitually issues checks and the bank are bouncing them, returning them back unpaid, that's not a good sign for the bank. If you've got previous loans which are are in default, no good. So there's a black mark against you. So your banking history is really important. So you've got to make sure that you keep your bank statements clean. Now, if you're looking to change banks, um, unfortunately, it isn't as if you can forget about previous bank history. Yeah. Yeah? The new bank manager will say, well, can I see six months bank statements? Mm. Uh, now, I've seen loans turned down because of one bounced check in a previous six-month period. Right. You've got to put a very good story if that has happened. Yeah. Yeah. One or two, you can get away with. But if your bank statements are littered with bounced checks, it's just not going to happen. From the bank's point of view, it says, well, you knowingly wrote a check when there was no money in the account. Mm. So you know, what does that say to, to me about you? Yeah. So your banking history is important. Again, so if, that has, it is, if it is on there, be transparent about it and say this is the reason that happened. Yes. And you will see this and highlight it. So it's not like you're thinking that, oh, hopefully they won't see that line. Yeah. Yes, it's not. I even had once a statement where somebody had taken a tipex to the bla- uh, to the uh, the appropriate line on the bank statement, then photocopied the bank statement and hoping it wouldn't see it. So what's that then? Uh, 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 oh, it's no. a, it's a point. It's that's it's it. so obvious uh-uh. there. You know? <laughs> so again, that says a little bit about the character of the yeah. individual. It's these little things yeah. that that will go into the whole process of is this a person I want to do business with or not? Um, the other thing as well that will go into it is the the credit history and the credit report. Now we talked about that in depth in the last video, so I won't mention it again there. But again, it just goes into showing um, how credible you are as an individual. Um, past business success and failures that can also take part of your character. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, unlike our American friends. We don't take failure as a positive. You know, in America, if somebody's failed in business, it's high five, well done, you learnt loads. You won't make the same mistake next time, will you? Yeah. In Britain, or oh, you failed. Ooh, oh dear, what happened there then? <laughs> yeah. We don't, we've got to realize I know that. the Americans say, how do you double your rate of success? Double your rate of failure. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got to do that here in the UK. We have to accept that uh, from, from the bank's point of view, you've got to think, all right, what did you learn? Yeah. And that's the key thing to think about it. Again, about transparency. If you have had a business failure, put it in there because the bank will find out. Mm. You know, all they have to do is to go on and onto the internet, Google your name, that something somewhere will oh, come so up. So transparent. Yeah. So just hit it head on. Yes, we did have a business failure in 2001. Here's why. But more importantly, here's what I learned out yeah, of it. These are the mistakes I made and these are the mistakes I won't make again. Absolutely right. Yeah. So, so that's the character that really just sums everything up then. Um, so that's where we are with that first one. Okay. Mm. What about the A? Right, the A. The A stands for then ability. Mm. Okay. So you've had your, your character assessed. So you're a jolly good egg and you're a good guy to lend or a good lady to lend money to. Everything's fine. But at the end of the day then, how, you know, how good are you on delivering what you've said you can deliver in the business plan? Mm. Okay? So you've got to be able to show that you have the right plus qualifications um, to deliver this. So if you're in a technical sector um, and you've got qualifications that are relevant to the sector that you're in, Shout out about them. Show that you've got those those qualifications that are relevant. It may be that you have industry experience, especially if you're just starting out or started a business two or three years ago and looking for more funding. Industry experience is vital to a bank. So if you're going into a sector of which you've never been in before, 
I've had no understanding about the industry. The chances of you getting financed are quite low because you just don't know the pitfalls that are going to happen. And so if you've had experience and they really hammer that point home, but it's not only your experience and your ability as well, it's that of your staff because they are the ones that will help you deliver your vision. Mm. So in your plan, make sure you address then what your staff will bring to the business, how you've trained them and their particular skill sets as well. So that's really the whole ability side, just demonstrating that you can deliver on the plan. And also, I guess that's where the org chart comes into it, because you're showing that you've thought about it and that, you, you know, as the business grows, these are the roles and these are what the people will do and how yeah. it will get fulfilled. Yes. It's a big challenge for many business owners as businesses grow to be able to let go. And, and, a, and a bank will sense that. You can go in and you, you can just see that everything is still sitting on the one guy's shoulders. Mm. And that there are, I was with a business um, only last week, which had actually nailed us to the point where the guy had realized that he could not cover all bases. And as you walked around um, this business unit, he would say, that's the IT department. This is headed by this guy. Joe heads the finance department. Um, he's the one there. The customer service department, Sarah heads that one. It was all very structured. Not only could you see the org chart on paper, mm. you could also see it literally visually around the and I walked away from this thing that's great yeah. that that bit there was well ticked off okay all right so that's yeah. the a from campari ability mm. what's the m right the m now many people think that this stands for management but because this is an internal bank document one thing that they will look at then is their margin oh, that okay. they're going to look at what are we going to make on the deal it's not margin from a perspective of how much margin are you making in your business mm. For the bank's point of view, it's how much margin am I going to make out of this? Because mm. at the end of the day, obviously, banks are there to make money. Now, they'll make money in one of two ways. The first one is on the interest rate. Um, so they'll take a look at this, and they will assess, what's the risk behind this business? Is it high risk, medium risk, or low risk? Yeah. If it's low risk, um, the risk of me losing my money is quite low. Therefore, I can get away with pricing this quite cheaply. Yeah. Okay, because the banks cover their risk in how much money they charge on the interest rate. So the higher the the risk, the higher the interest rate. Okay. Okay. So they look at a deal and they say, okay, we assess this as a high risk proposition. Yeah. Our base rate at the moment is X. We're going to put on top of it four or five percent, whatever it may be. Yeah. Okay. If it's a low risk business, they say, okay, the base rate is this. We'll add on perhaps two percent. Mm. But depends how strong a negotiator you are. Because if you're a really strong, hard negotiator and you know you've got some leverage over the bank, you may go back and say, no, no, that's too high for me. I want it lower. There will come a point when a bank will just say, do you know what? I've got a finite amount of money to lend here. Yeah. Okay. I could give it to you at that sort of rate. But I know that I could actually give a similar amount of money to another owner there at the margin that I want. Right. And therefore, I'll earn more on the deal. And when, as a business owner, do you know that you're in a position where you can negotiate once they've offered the deal on the table? Once they've, you've, you've ticked or everything yeah. that we've covered so far. If you can cover it in the early interview, then that's better. So um, if we go back in the process where you've sat there in the interview, you've got the business plan and you're, and you're deliberating, yeah. it's unlikely that the bank at this stage will give you an indication on price because that's invariably to, to negotiated separately within the bank and they'll have a discussion about it. Yeah. But you can put the bank manager on the spot and say, okay, so what interest rate are you looking to charge me on this? Now, he'll give you a broad band. Mm. And you can say, well, 
if that's the band you're working on, I can tell you now the top band is not going to be working for me. Mm. Um, and here's why I think you need to be charging me lower. So here your leverage points are the length of time you've been in business. Mm. So if you've been in business, say, 20 years plus, and you're still here today, hey, the chances are I'm going to be here in another 20 years. Yeah. yeah. So your Mr. Banker, your risk level has got to be lower. Mm. Okay? Um, I'm putting in a big contribution. I'm only asking you for half of the half of the overall project cost is coming from you. I'm meeting the other half. Yeah. So your risk is much lower there. I'm putting security in on the table. Mm-hmm. So not only am I putting a good cash contribution in, I'm putting a big lump of security as well. So those are the things that you can use to to push the bank down on the interest rate. Is that in your book? That's in the book as well. It is, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. So there's a whole section there on uh, in um, yep in in the book. Um, in fact, which chapter it is now about where where you how you can negotiate okay. on the deals and what the leverage points are. And that's the so. that's the book. Just so we hold it up to the camera there, so you can probably see it there. It's called yep. Loan Shop. Uh, mm. Can you see it? There we go. I'll lift it up a little bit. There we go. By Rob Warlow, so you can look that up on Amazon. I'm hiding your face now. Where is he? There he is. No, Some gone. people would say that's good. <laughs> so yes, you can have a look in there where you, you you see those leverage points. Now the the other area where the banks make the money then is first of all on the interest rate, but also on the arrangement fee as well. Mm. So and the arrangement fee is typically worked out on a percentage of the loan. So it can be half a percent arrangement fee, sometimes ending up to two percent of the amount being uh, being borrowed will be charged as an arrangement fee. So you've got some bit of um, space to manoeuvre on that as well. Yes. Okay. And in your experience as a bank manager, because you said you were a bank manager for what? Yep, quite a few years, years ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, how often would you negotiate? And, and would you go into so a bit of insider information? Would you go? Would you offer a rate knowing that you were probably going to get negotiated down? Or No. I mean, you, you, today, the banks are very prescriptive. They will have, um, depending on how the bank model has worked, because mm. they will look at your track record, how long you've been in business, your financial information, and it'll come out with a suggested rate of interest. Right. So the banks know really early on what it's yeah. going to be. So... Um, you're really going to have um, the ability to negotiate when you're a long-time customer or if you're going in with a very strong case to a brand new bank because they're going to want your business. Okay. So there's going to be a bit more flexibility on there. All right. So that's the, the, that's what the M stands for, margin, is what the bank is going to make out of this deal. And what they've got to assess then is, based on what they see in terms of high, medium, and low risk and whether you've negotiated away, they take a step back and say, okay, are we doing okay on this deal? Is it one that we should be putting our money into? All right. Mm. All good stuff. And the P? So the P then um, follows on for now. So we've looked at the character and the ability and the margin. The next one now then is purpose. So what exactly then are you going to do with the money? Mm. Again, what a bank does not want to do is just to give you a blank check, walk off, shake your hands and say, okay, we'll see you in 15 years time when you pay the loan off. They actually want to know what you're going to do with the money. And it's a crucial distinction for many business owners to realize Banks are not willing to lend what I would call get-me-out-of-jail money. So a bank is not willing to lend today if you're in arrears on your tax, your VAT, your PAYE, your NI. That's not business-enhancing finance. Okay, it gets you out of a hole, but it doesn't actually move your business forward. So banks today are really not willing to lend there because it adds no value to the business. Okay. They want to add value by lending money to you where it's going to significantly change your business in some way. So with the purpose then, they look at the plan and look back on the interview and say, okay, this um, uh, loan is going to be used to buy a piece of equipment. That equipment is going to add efficiency savings of 10%. That's going to improve the bottom line. Or it's going to allow them to move into a new sector. 
Um, so that's value enhancing. Yeah. It may be that you want uh, an increase in your overdraft facility just for general working capital. Again, that moves the business forward. It may be you want a loan to buy your premises. You're leasing or renting at the moment. You're great where you are. The landlord has come and says, we want to sell up. Are you there? All of that is great stuff. So the purpose is, does it add value to the business? Can be nothing illegal, obviously. Yes. The bank will just check that it is a, 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 a legal um, purpose behind it. Yeah. So again, so the bank will just take a step back and think, yep, yeah, it ticks the boxes there. We're lending for the right reasons. And I guess they also want to know, can it be proved? Is there any way that, it, you know, that this is definitely going to work and, yeah. ha- and make sure you've covered that off in the previous parts? Correct. Yeah, we mentioned in the previous videos about provability. Mm. Can you bring pro forma invoices? Can you bring quotations? If you're buying a particular premises in the business plan, you include the state agent's particulars. Mm. Anything that can evidence that what you're saying is true um, and is verifiable will only enhance your case. Okay. So the bank then is comfortable with, with me as the applicant um, and they're happy that I've got the necessary skills mm-hmm. uh, and then I'm going to use the money correctly. So I've, I've given them the, the real reason why and the purpose for borrowing mm-hmm. that money. So what's the next part of the uh, assessment process? Well, the next one now, again, get into the bits now the bankers really love and that's the money side of it. And so that's the amount mm-hmm. as to how much you're wanting to borrow. So what the bank's looking for here now, I mentioned previously, gone are the days where you can get 100% finance. It just, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. You may have got a due in the boom days, but that's not how it is anymore. So first of all, the bank will look at, well, what's your contribution? And we've mentioned this before. You've got to have some skin in the game here. Yeah. You've got to be putting ideally minimum 20, 30% down to any sort of deal to show so that you've numbers, got some solution. Yeah. If you, if you look into a commercial mortgage, certainly um, 25% deposit down. Sometimes you, you're, High street banks will look for you to put down 40%, right. but you can get commercial loan providers that will just get away with 25 to 30%. But even on a general project, those are the sorts of numbers you should work on. And that's, you know, that's right for two reasons. Number one, they say the bank doesn't want to take all of the burden itself. Mm. They want to make sure that you've got something to lose as well. But at the end of the day, you, know, you don't want to be having a huge interest bill. So obviously, one way of doing this is to make sure that you lessen the amount of money that you're going to be borrowing. Mm. So put in as much as you safely can put in. Um, there's no point raiding all of the coffers so all of your contingency fund is gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just make sure it's planned out properly. And this is back to what we were saying earlier in previous videos about putting the business plan together, about thinking everything through. So make sure you've got a contribution. The bank will also take a look at the amount and say, well, does it look, does it look right? Now, it's, it's very easy when you're buying a commercial premises because it's obvious where the money's going. But if it's just for general working capital, um, you can just double those numbers overnight for working capital requirements because if somebody delays in paying you, well, you've still got your outgoings. So very quickly, your requirement would go up. Mm. So trying to get a working capital figure can be very difficult. So the bank will just take a step back and just, from a gut-feeling perspective, does this amount um, requested fit in with the overall size of the business? Mm. So, for example, if you've got somebody turning over, say, £150,000 a year and wants to borrow £125,000 on overdraft, it just doesn't look right. Yeah. It's just too much. It's, it's out of sync with the business. Yeah, yeah. So it's really just the bank stepping back and just saying, does the thing feel right? Okay, so it's finding that balance. Yes. Yeah. So um, what's mm. the next step? Two more. Right, two more. 
Now, now we're really getting into what banks love now, then that's the number crunching. Mm-hmm. And this is on the whole idea of looking at the repayment side of it. Now, here, they'll be looking at all of your numbers. So they'll be looking at your, your accounts, which we've mentioned before, and also your management information yeah. and your financial forecast as well. And what the bank is seeking here and looking at the numbers is, can this business afford to pay back what they're asking for? And here, the bank manager will sharpen the pencil and we'll just start working out a whole host of ratios, which we haven't got time to go into today, but certainly include in the book as well, okay. all of the ratios that banks will look at from a balance sheet perspective, just to see the capacity of the business to pay back. So they run the number crunching, and they'll see and play a couple of what-if scenarios as well. But what if sales collapse by 10%? Yeah. But what if then we add in that the margin that they're earning as well, falls by 5%. What's the combined effect on that? What happens if interest rates go up? So the bank will play with all these various what-if scenarios as well, just to stress test that under various different circumstances, you can still afford to pay that loan. Okay. Hmm. And and um, what and accounts? Will they look at, look at things like management accounts? Yeah, on the management accounts, I said the audit accounts um, are too old. Yeah, it's a snapshot at a particular day. Mm. Now, with the management accounts, it's current. It's what's happening in the business in the last month or so. Now, we mentioned in the previous video that if you can't, uh, your know, numbers aren't your thing, you should outsource to a bookkeeper. Yeah. And that should be good because if they can get a good online um, or good accounting package, it's a case of once all the data is pushed in, push a button, and there your accounts are. Mm. It's much more immediate because, say, the accounts are just so out of date, so many things can happen in a very short space of time. So with the management account, it just gives a much more immediacy to the business and allows the bank manager to see where the business stands in that current month or that current quarter. Right. So vital to get that in. Okay, superb. And finally, what's the I? The I then, now this is a, a little bit different because we'd actually think it stands for insurance, but we, it's really about security but the model doesn't work when you put an S on the end. So, <laughs> so they had to come up with insurance. So while insurance in um, layman's terms would be like a life insurance policy mm. or a business insurance policy, that is, uh, covers that as well. But the key thing is, from the insurance perspective, is what security have we got? Now, life insurance is all of that goes into it, especially if you're the key man within the business. Mm. It's called key man insurance. If something happens to you and you've still got £100,000 of bothering behind the business, you know, the people who are going to pick up the business after you, they don't want to be worrying about that debt. Yeah. So key man insurance is vital because it means if something does happen to you, a policy pays out sufficient enough to clear all of the borrowing out of the way and the business then at least is debt-free and allow then the people who pick the business up, whether it's family members or management team, to not have the stress there. But then also this point is what security the bank is looking at. Um, Is the security in the form of a house, commercial premises, um, uh, um, guarantees from directors, um, a debenture covering stock and debtors and fixtures and fittings, etc. So what the bank will look at and say, okay, we may have some security, but is it the type of security? Is it any good to us? Mm. Because some security can be given, and it's good for moral purposes. So say like a, a, a guarantee from a director. Um, very good to have. But if the director actually owns no asset, has no money, well, what use is the guarantee? Yeah. Because I could come after you as a director, but there is no assets to go after. So a guarantee in itself is great, but 
They want to know, is there substance behind it? Um, if you've offered a house as security, for example, uh, that house could be stuck up in the middle of the Yorkshire Moors on top of a mountain with no electricity, no water, no road to it. Yes. I've got a title deed and there's a building there. Well, yes, but its marketability is very low. Mm. You know, so it's not that it may be worth what you say it's worth, but it could be taking two years in order to get that value. So I have to heavily discount that. So whilst having the security is good, it's what type of security as well goes into it. So that's what they have a look at when we're looking at I. And that's the uh, that's the seven parts of uh, of Campari then. Yeah. Character, ability, margin, purpose, amount, repayment, and insurance. Yeah. Rob, that's been absolutely fantastic, and I'm sure that's given you a much mm. better idea of exactly what the banks are looking for when it comes to you wanting to borrow money to uh, finance your business. It's been absolutely fascinating. So, mm. again, if people want to find out more. Yeah, well, so they can, again, we mentioned the book a few times. I mean, Campari is, is um, um, a, a big part of the book. I mean, there's 250-odd pages there of yeah. 25 years of knowledge. Yeah. So you can get hold of that. That gives That's really a self-help guide for somebody who wants to and do again, it where themselves. Can we, where, where will people you get can, that book if they'd like it? You can pick that up on Amazon, on WH Smith. Um, you can either also just um, drop us an email direct as well. But certainly all the major bookstores will go in there. You'll find them listed there. Okay. And to email you, what's the contact details? Yep. Um, so uh, website, businessloanservices.co.uk and info at businessloanservices.co.uk as well as where you can get hold of us. So there we are. I hope you enjoyed that interview and that more importantly, you got some useful tips and ideas on what you need to do to get that all too elusive yes from your bank. Don't forget that there are three previous interviews that I also did with Teo on writing business plans and why banks say no. To search those out, just go onto our SoundCloud and our iTunes page and look for the Business Finance Bulletin Extra List and there you'll find them listed. So that's it for this particular episode of the Business Finance Bulletin Extra. Don't forget, you can also get our weekly Uh, bulletins available on YouTube and on our website. And if you want to chat through a finance proposal, feel free just to get in touch. All you have to do, drop us an email to info at businessloanservices.co.uk or just visit our website, businessloanservices.co.uk. So that's it until next time. Thanks very much for being with me. Look forward to being with you again very soon. Bye-bye now.